Welcome to Girls Who Read Porn. Please be advised that this podcast contains mature content for mature audiences. The title might have given that away though. We would also advise you triple check the trigger warnings of each book prior to the episode. And if it's not for you, we'll see you next week. Each episode includes major spoilers, so make sure you read the book and don't say we didn't warn you. With all that in mind, on with the show. Hey everybody, and we're back. How are we all doing today? Pretty good. That's good. I'm doing good. How are you doing, Betty? I'm keeping it. Keeping it going. Keeping it real? <laughs> You're keeping it going. You're keeping something going. <laughs> it's all happening. So for this episode, we're finally going to talk about our first book, which is A Not So Meet Cute by Megan Quinn. Woo! Very excited. We love it. So Let's do it. Before I get into the synopsis of the book, let's start with a rating. Set of five stars. For me, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a three point five four. What about you, Ola? <laughs> that is. That, are we get that specific? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> well, I didn't know if it was like okay. a mix between a three and four, like a three point five. Oh, a 3.5 to 4. I thought you meant 3.54. And I was like, wow, okay, we're going there. Mine is a 4.12. <laughs> no, I give it a 4. I think it's quite funny. And G? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think this book is definitely a solid 4 because I feel like she really she really hits it on the funny, the funny yeah, side of things. <laughs> Alrighty, so... I'm going to give a brief synopsis about the book. So if you haven't read it before, I apologize. Um, But you might not have to go away and read it and come back to this episode. Spoiler alert. So basically, we've got two main characters called Lottie and Huxley or Hux. Basically, Lottie gets fired by her friend Angela for a job that she works for a blog that's kind of similar as like Goop. It's like a Goop blog from Gwyneth Paltrow. That is the strangest thing I've ever... I still don't know what Goop is. But we're not, How do you not know what Goop is? I don't know what it does. It's the same as um, Kourtney Kardashian's Poosh. Like, what is uh, it? It's like a, it's a like lifestyle blog, which doesn't wellness. actually do anything because they're all so rich. We can't afford those vagina eggs that they keep talking about. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm saving up for the candle that smells like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing, but I'm all about it. So anyway, Lottie gets fired (laughs) and she's had an on and off relationship with Angela. So she's quite embarrassed to tell her family that she's got fired. But her parents are kind of hoping she's moving out. So she's in this predicament. And as we all do in these predicaments where we're poor and we need to move house, her first idea is she needs to find a rich husband. Classic. Exactly. So she lives on the corner of a rich suburb and she takes it upon herself to go running in her cutest running wear, wearing her braids, which apparently rich people love. That really confused (laughs) me so much. (laughs) Like, why are you wearing, like, what are they going to do with the braids? What is it about the braids? Like, Like, braids as in, like, a plait or a braid, like, in your hair? I was very confused because I don't know what to do when I go look out for I my next like husband. 
when it was like in the book, it was specified that it was small braids that you work into your hairstyle. So she has like one oh. tiny braid that she ties like into her bun or into her ponytail, and that's that's what's going to seal the deal for for her rich husband. Yeah, because we all know the men notice. Braid. <laughs> we all know men notice those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so Lottie runs into Huxley, who's gone out to his car to get food and um, they have a weird interaction because Huxley is in need of a pregnant fiance so as you do so Huxley um, is a real estate like he works in like high brand real estate and um, he's very rich and there's this guy his name is Dave and he owns some properties that Huxley wants and Dave doesn't like Huxley because he's very flashy with his money and Dave is very down-to-earth. So Huxley's brothers suggest that he gets to know them on a more like personal, down-to-earth level. And Huxley takes that as running into him and his pregnant fiancé and deciding it's a really good idea to lie and tell them that he also has a pregnant fiancé, um, which results in him getting invited to dinner with said fake pregnant fiancé. Can I just say something here? If you are that loaded, there's no such thing as down to earth. I can't imagine Elon <laughs> Musk mopping his own floors. Don't tell no. me that there is down to earth with rich people. It doesn't exist. Anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, just had to add that little tidbit there. Disclaimer, rich people don't mop their floors. <laughs> if you're a rich person and you mop your floor, let us know. <laughs> Give us a call on one three hundred. I mop my floors. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they strike a deal at the local Chipotle, um, where they decide that fucking love Chipotle. <laughs> where they decide that they could use each other, uh, for their like, respective needs. Um, Lottie. Like, at first, is like, ah, I don't really think I want to go ahead with this. It's kind of manipulative, and I want to make my own way in the world without a rich husband. Huxley doesn't like this. Huxley's quite annoyed by this. So he thinks a really great idea is to turn up at his uh, Lottie's house and lie to her parents. You know, as we all do when we want to impress the woman mm-hmm. that we love. What a because beautiful when way you, to start because, a new yeah. relationship. And because, you know, once you've lied once... <clears throat> You know, what What better thing to do than to continue to lie? <laughs> so obviously Lottie is now like, well, I have to do this because my parents think I'm moving out because you've just told them that we're living together now. Um, so she does go ahead with it and they kind of make it work. And obviously, like all good romance novels, the situationship becomes real. Um, through their fake endeavours and bizarre situations and dates, they end up falling in love. But their relation, their relationship, <laughs> their relationship, oh love, super rocky. Imagine a romance without love. <laughs> their relationship is super rocky because they hate each other because Lottie is annoyed that Huxley is rich and arrogant, and Huxley's annoyed that Lottie is emotional and needs hot. Yeah. <laughs> tale as old as time exactly so through weird endeavors where lottie never wears enough clothing at, at events and huxley having no self-control they sleep with each other all the time um, but rarely ever kiss because as we all know 
sex isn't real if you don't kiss each other. <laughs> I have so much to say about that. It's just, it's just the most bizarre thing ever. It is. It's very, very strange. It's like the whole thing that he has about keeping it a business relationship. And for like the first like half of the book, more than half of the book, he'll be like eating her out and he'll be like, but this is a business relationship. <laughs> There is like a a weird like Fifty Shades of Grey contractual agreement theme going on Mm. within the book where she is contractually agreed to be in Yeah, but she actually signed it She didn't, yeah, that's true She also didn't read the contract, which is also a big thing within this book, how she doesn't actually know what she's contractually agreed to do So... Okay, here's the thing with this chick. I'm just going to go straight into what I do not like about it because that leads me into this. Okay, if you're going to go out, this like she doesn't think anything through. So we've already obviously agreed on that. But if you're going to go out and find a husband to be rich, then you find him and then you're like, oh no, I can't take his money. Either be a gold digger or don't be a gold digger. Like own it or just like don't do it. That annoyed me so much about this book because she was the most confusing person ever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have to agree with that. I also feel like another big issue for me, it just in the way that it, like her character sort of developed throughout, she's meant to have her master's in business and she didn't read the contract. Like, You're, You send seems- a resume if you don't have a job. You don't go walking around in braids being like, I want to have a really rich husband and then pretend that I'm not a gold digger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They fall in love um, and they realize that they're going to have to do something about this like fake engagement because they actually do want to be together, but their whole relationship is found dated on lies. Um, Dave, the person that Huxley had lied to, happens to have found out that their relationship is fake. Huxley his along with the with the pregnancy. Along with the pregnancy, of course. Um, the problem is is that Huxley doesn't know who told Dave and at this point um he hasn't spoken to Dave yet, he's just heard it through like a mutual contact. So Huxley being, you know, the good solid partner that he is, he runs home and immediately blames Lottie for telling Dave's partner Ellie um, and Lottie justifiably justifiably gets upset because they've just built this entire relationship together and of course she's contractually agreed (laughs) to not tell him Um, she runs away and moves in with her sister for one night for one one night (laughs) (laughs) that's the other thing but we'll we'll get to that (laughs) Huxley Talks to Dave, and Dave bizarrely is like, I love your lie. It was hilarious. You're a very trustful man, a trustworthy man. Uh, Please take all of my properties off my hand. You're the best person I've ever met. Um, But you weren't a good person, but then you met your partner, and now she's made you a good person, and now I like you. That's that conversation. Anyway, we'd like that just like adds to the point like a lot of smart books it's like oh my god like you're an awful person but now you have a partner 
and and they've made you a great person. Well, you know, but normally it's okay. Yeah, no, normally it's like the guy making the chick so much better because now she's got wealth and she's got all of these things. At least they did it the other way around now. Yeah, or I feel like the guy is like just such a dick like and he's been like a womanizer and he's like left women in tatters wherever he's gone and then he meets the one and she's the one that like brings his heart out yeah but it doesn't stop him from being a dick no no he's still, <laughs> he's a, still dick. a dick to other people he's, but just not he's to just, her yeah he's just a monogamous dick now <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway um so they have this big fight Huxley makes up for it in like various different ways. Um, one of them being he invites her around for dinner and she's like super closed off because she doesn't think she's going to get back together with him. So they have a wonderful, healthy conversation where he pins her against the wall and aggravates her so much that she chooses to speak to him and share her emotions. And he takes this as a, oh my God, we're completely fine now. So follow me up to the roof where I'm going to actually propose to you after knowing you for three weeks. And that's the end of the mm-hmm. book. Lovely. Oh my Honestly. God, how beautiful. Cinderella well done, story. Betty. That was a beautiful recap. I loved it. You're very welcome. Um, so with all that case in point, I think we should start with going through our favorite parts of the book. Nice. Nice. Do you want to kick us off, Betty? I can. Um, so undoubtedly, my favorite part of the entire book is when, so Lottie and her sister, Kelsey, they um, are going for a business meeting and Lottie doesn't know that Huxley's brothers know about the engagement. So she puts oh, on like, yeah. so she puts <laughs> on this like huge act and she's super, um, over the top being like oh my god baby like come here i love you so much and like completely derailing the meeting for kelsey's business and then obviously she's wasted so much time trying to pretend to be his fiance that um huxley has to end the meeting sure and because he has like a really important call and she gets super angry at him because kelsey is like obviously really upset with this unprofessional behavior and there's like this whole like thing in the book about how awful his behavior is and it turns around and it turns out like a building has been on fire and he had to leave the meeting he sends out donuts (laughs) so yeah he has to leave the meeting to like check on his staff but it's just like never it's like never addressed after that he like she finds out the story from her sister but like she never goes back and like apologizes for being awful she's just like we'll just forget that happened and that's honestly I've done that so many times though maybe to not that extent but I will definitely know that I've done something wrong and just be like hey babe do you want a schnitzel (laughs) I love you have my schnitzel (laughs) and then it just never happened that's the end of that story exactly um Ola favorite part my favorite mine is actually more quotes but my favorite like I generally as a person hate cringe like it makes me super uncomfortable I like start convulsing and twitching like it just doesn't work for me so um but that was also my favorite part of this book because it was done really really well so there was a scene where Dave and Ellie 
invite Lottie and Hux to a pregnancy class. Oh, the Lamar's, yes. The Lamar's <laughs> class. And well, there were two, but the first one was the one that I liked where they were like required to get into sexual positions and like remember how they made the baby. And so there was this Lamar's teacher just was really eccentric and really funny. And she would say things like, she didn't realize that Lottie's name was Lottie. She would call her Lonnie and she would be like, watch the way Lonnie's body undulates against yours, which like <laughs> just made me die on the inside. And um, would you say it's in that moment where your loins knew you'd be impregnating her actually nearly had some vomit <laughs> coming up in my mouth? <laughs> it's just so awkward. Like how can you put yourself in that position, like I would just get up and leave. I would die at that moment. Even if I was pregnant, I would just get up and leave. I would mm-hmm. be like, I do not want to remember this because in like eight months, my vagina is going to be torn to shreds. I don't want to think about how his loins knew that they would be impregnating me. I'm really not into that. <laughs> and also the brothers texting each other. Yeah, the texting is good. Mm. I quite the, like texting the texting is really good. She did really, really well on that. It's like TMI, but completely hilarious. So yeah, I'll give her yeah. that. How about yeah. you, Jay? Um, yeah, so I want to follow up that my favorite scene was the second Lamar's class class that they went to and I feel like it just needs to be mentioned as well the woman who runs the Lamar's classes she needs like an honorable mention because first of all her name is heaven (laughs) so (laughs) a Lamar's class in LA taught by a woman called heaven you know that you're in for a good time um and yeah the reason why I picked the second Lamar's class that they went to was because they've been doing like really really well to keep up this ruse in front of Dave and Ellie, you know, the whole pregnancy and engagement thing. They're doing so well. And then it's like as soon as they decided to actually date each other, they just gave up because they show up to this fucking Lamar's class and they've got these fake babies that they're meant to look after after the and they get this creepy baby. <laughs> They get this one-eyed baby called Judith, <laughs> yeah, Judith, who proceeds to who proceeds to like spew fake vomit and fake shit all over them, and they just give up. They're like holding her upside down. They're dropping her. They're swearing at her to the point where they get kicked out of the class. And I feel like I just really want to acknowledge that once they decided to like each other, they just decided like fuck it, like let's just give up. <laughs> Oh my god, poor Judith. R.I.P. Judith. Judith. R.I.P. Judith with your one eye and your constant wailing and your freaky face because I'm pretty sure you were burnt. The fun thing about (laughs) Judith is that I think it says in the book she was spilt with like filled with spoiled milk. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. To make it accurate. They wanted it, it to be so like, gross. if a baby actually threw up on you, that's what it would be like. And then I was like, what kind of freaks are running this class? Heaven. A girl. Heaven. Heaven. Alrighty. Now we've done our favorites. Um, we're going to go on to our least favorite parts of the book. Um, I think we'll start with, we'll start with you, G, because you went last and we'll work backwards this time. Mix it up a bit. Okay. Alrighty. Um... So the least favorite part of the book for me, well, just the least favorite thing that happened overall was just the sheer amount of dry humping in the whole book. (laughs) Ditto. (laughs) Because I just, I really feel like dry humping is not an activity which needs that much screen time. 
I mean, like, not that much space in my brain is occupied by the thought of wanting to dry hump somebody. Generally, it's, like, uncomfortable, and I just don't think that it's preferable to any other type of sexual activity. So it's a big no from me, the dry humping. (laughs) I think the last time I dry humped was when I was, like, 15. Like, I don't understand how adults can think it's okay to dry hump. It's very awkward. And And it would hurt. Yeah, it's not just dry humping as well. It's dry humping to completion. That's the bit that got me. That confused me so much. Like, how sensitive are you? Which, great. You know what? Good for you because you're Mm going to have a great sex life. But how sensitive are you that you're dry humping to the point of completion? I don't understand. How long does that take? And it's like... Uh, well, apparently to, for them it only takes like five minutes, but like two pages. Even, yeah, it's like sure, like you dry hump to completion. Like how how chafed are you gonna be afterwards? Like I just don't think it's that sexy of an activity. No, it sounds painful. It does sound painful, and I, I just wasn't here like for fun. it. Okay. I'm the that was my least favorite part as well to be honest. I did the dry humping on the roof really and weren't they in the rain as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so they're dry humping clothes. in the rain with wet clothes. Oh, that is chafing 101. Okay, but get some was, baby powder in there because that is going to be some painful shit. But she was naked, but he still had his pants on. So he was just rubbing his clothed crotch against her bare vagina until she orgasmed and I just really like that doesn't sound even remotely comfortable that's not, not that's kissing, semi-dry humping no kissing. no kissing so it wasn't because even... it's a business agreement so it's like passionate dry humping while just staring into Is each other's eyes thing? in the rain passionate on a roof in the rain humping. that's my favorite thing ever I'm gonna passionately dry hump you tonight my least favorite, I think, was the shared shower scene with the like suction cup dildo. That was oh my, my favorite smut scene, as if that was your least favorite. Look, I was like reading it and I just couldn't imagine the logistics. And then I was like imagining her having to go like back and forth. And then it just felt uncomfortable and awkward for me to think about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to point this out. Betty is currently showing us <laughs> her logistics, okay? We're on video right now, and she's moving backwards and forwards trying to work out how it would work, <laughs> and it's yeah. amazing. Just like, it'd be, like, really awkward. Like, if you were to, like, walk in on that, and you were to just see somebody just, like, shimmying themselves back and forth in that interaction, like, I don't think it would be very appealing. Mm-hmm. Just to like provide a little bit of backstory about what happens in this scene as well. She has a suction cup dildo, which she's fucking herself with from behind while she's sucking his dick. So she's like, she's, she's spit roasting herself. (laughs) Why not, man? If you're enjoying it, go for it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like it wouldn't be fun. It just, according to Betty, sounds very complicated and you need to be a gymnast. But still, it sounds like fun. I just, like, I feel like I'd, like, I feel like you'd lose concentration, right? Like, there's too many. Your, your rhythm there's would There's a get lot going up. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also, like, the thing about, like, the um, entire, like, dildo vibrator situation that she has going on is they make her out to be, like, super innocent and she, like, hasn't 
had a lot of guys or like slept around a lot but then she's also like super hyper sexualized when it comes to just like these like three toys that she has everywhere it's like a really mm. weird like i don't know it's a weird dynamic to try and like explain her in because she's both innocent but also like super like dirty mm. but it's the classic isn't it it's it's every female main character ever like seemingly innocent, but like actually, like they're just the filthiest person. Oi, they they are <laughs> that they are they are filthy. Actually, that's something else that I really liked. So the, my favorite smut scene is the one that Betty obviously hates. But what I really liked about it is that he's he was so aggressive in his sex talk, which never happens in a rom com. He was like, "Take it," and she was like, "Okay." And I just, I've never seen that in a rom-com before. I was just really like, okay, she's going to make it like all really, really nice. And then he's going to be like, take my dick, bitch. And then, (laughs) you know, everyone's happy at the end of the day. I thought it was a good mix. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite refreshing, you know, because you'd get that humor during, you know, they're just their sort of non-smutty, more plot focused scenes. And then they'd get in the bedroom and he was just, he was just all over her. He was just bossing her around. It was great. I do, I do appreciate that when she like took charge, like in saying that, like one of my favorite smart scenes is when she comes home and he like refuses her. Like he's like, nah, like I'm like, nah, like don't do this. Like I don't want you to just do it because you think I owe you something. And then she just like, gets naked and then like leaves the door open and then just like walking around with it like i like the the bit before the hard logistic things in the shower oh, that's, like, okay. the pre- that's like the pre so, where she was like i'm gonna choose which dildo i want to use in the shower yeah that bit. well yeah because that yeah. like preempts the shower scene but like when she's in the shower by herself and he's just stood out the door watching and like they're narrating his thoughts about how he's about to lose self-control like that was a that was like one of my favorite, like smutty. No. I love the whole fucking thing about that shower. I did not think about logistics. I was there for it. I was like, you know what? You get it, girl. I'm about it. Take the dick. Take both dicks, actually, and have the best time of your life. Nice, nice. They normally yeah. don't put two dicks in a rom com. No, no. It's good. Nice little, nice little refresher there, wasn't it? <laughs> Mixing it up. This book actually really did like mix it up. I feel like it, like it sort of took something that's like a very classic trope, which is the the fake dating trope, and then also you know the the billionaire guy trope. But they really did the the writer, the author, really really did make it her own thing, which is very cool. I think. Yeah, there were so many tropes in this. It was like enemies mm-hmm. to lovers, fake dating, as you said, billionaire lying to other people like it was just Mm -hmm. there was a lot going on there when it came to the tropes and then yeah it just went from there to like completely rancid sex (laughs) at the same time which I don't know if that's a trope or not but I'm in for it yeah I think for my favorite smut scene I want to just my favorite smut scene just because I thought it was like really funny was that um it's only briefly mentioned um when she invites Huxley into the shower with her with one of her vibrators and she makes him 
come in 30 seconds by just touching him with the vibrator that was such a good scene that was such a good good. scene it's like it's like it's only like two sentences long he's just sort of like because he's just you know reminiscing while he's at work going like oh and then when i was in the shower she ran her vibrator up up and around my dick and my balls and it made me come in 30 seconds and then it mentions that she was counting the seconds in her head <laughs> well, she to be was fair, I would it. too. Because if any man actually allowed you to do that, why wouldn't you count? Because mm-hmm. you'd want to yeah. know if it's successful or not. Yeah, I feel like as well, I want to follow this up. This is an unrelated sex scene, smart scene, but it is just a quote that I really enjoyed uh, because it just it just hit me. It was somehow funny while trying to be serious. And he, it's this is from Huxley. Huxley speaking say it right now that you don't want this and I'll go back to eating my salad. If not, <laughs> I'm going to eat you. <laughs> it's like, this boy has to mention it's salad. <laughs> I'm going to go through interesting points I noted while reading the book. Um, and I would like your reactions on these interesting points. Because I specifically mm-hmm. chose them because in my head I had a little like, hmm? moment okay i need them i need them addressed sounds like fun first one is the stepdad's unlit cigarette it's mentioned once (laughs) at the beginning of the book it's a very uh fault in our stars moment and then it's just never talked about again okay i don't get what you mean by fault in our stars moment i asked you the other day and you were like fault in our stars is a book about two people with cancer i don't know what she means by fault in our stars moment basically um for those who haven't read the book or don't remember the scene, at the very beginning of the book, she mentions walking past her stepdad and he's mowing the lawns and he has an unlit cigarette in his mouth and he doesn't smoke. He just likes to know it's there and he could smoke if he wanted to. Yeah, it's. she mentions that he feels like it gives him power. Yeah, like just the possibility <laughs> of being able to smoke if he wanted to. And in The Fault, Fault in Our Stars, there's a kid in the book and he has a cigarette in his mouth and everybody's like, you have cancer, why are you smoking? And it's like, if you put the thing with power in your mouth, but you don't give it the power to do the killing or something, like that's like a huge part of the book. And then he says it's a metaphor. Oh, yeah, like it's a metaphor. Can I just say something? Doesn't Fault in Our Stars, like, make you cry horrendously? It's I, I, I feel like that was kind of low on the scale for me, but we all know what sort of books I'm into. Yeah, like, that's why I haven't read it, because I hate books that make me cry. <laughs> You'll definitely cry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can it's just like- imagine how it would go down. I'd be lying down on the floor of my shower again. Just like mad, like wanting to cuddle my dog and just being like, I love you so much, never <laughs> leave me. It's um yeah, Fault in Our Stars is lovely, it's a nice YA novel, not very smutty. So No, I'd say probably like not even remotely. Yeah, not even a little bit of smart. No. Well then I guess it's just not for me. <laughs> okay, next point. What is a meat cute? I can take this one. I know what a meet cute is. And I only know what a meet cute is because I watched The Holiday with Cameron Diaz <laughs> and Jack Black. <laughs> because Kate Winslet, she like makes friends with this old guy, this old Jewish director and or producer. I don't know what he was, a screenwriter. And um, the way that they met, he said to her, well, this is a meet cute. And she's like, what's a meet cute? And it's how people in movies first meet and it's a very like nice way to meet so for example if 
you're outside Tiffany's looking for an engagement ring and you run into your future fiance. That's a meet cute. Oh. Mm. Okay. So yes. is it like, like like the classic, like you're both like walking your dogs and your dogs get tangled up in their leaves. Meet cute. And then you, that's a meet cute. Okay. A oh, meet cute. Yeah. So that's what they used to call it in the 50s and 60s to like create movies. That's very sweet. That's actually, yeah, that's actually quite yeah. darling. It is really sweet. Next one is um, non-branded electric car. Everybody's favourite. The non-branded. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk, come after us. We said your yeah, name like, because Megan the, Quinn wouldn't. <laughs> the car, yeah, like it. The car is like described quite extensively, and they just never mention the brand. I because he because I know it's a Tesla because she hands him a, a key card. Or he mm. uh, he hands her a key card, sorry. And Tesla is the only car that uses like a key card as a key. Um, I just I just like I like when books have non-branded recognizable products. Mm-hmm. It's like my favorite thing to try and figure out like what the brand what's the brand of this non-branded recognizable product. <laughs> when I'm reading a spot book, I'm not thinking about that. Like I don't know what you're doing while you're reading, <laughs> but I'm definitely not thinking about non-recognizable products. <laughs> Yeah, but he's actually skipping kind of all, the, all the smut scenes. But yeah, I'm like, all the just get to the scenes. point. I want to get to the sex. Let's go. I'm ready. But he's out here trying to find like Easter eggs in these smut books. <laughs> <laughs> what secrets can I uncover? Um, my final point is, I'm like, I'm hesitant to address this point because um, I have been told outside of this recording that is quite common in smart books, but I've never come across it before. And that's the um, initiating sex while one of the partners is asleep. That is really common in smart books. Like the like, amount yeah. of times that chicks wake up with guys' heads between their legs is not even funny. Oh, yeah. Like that's, that's in every single smart book I've ever read. Like, I what woke smart up are you stretched. reading, woman? We've got to up your yeah, game because if you are not waking up, with some guy in between your head, with some guy in between your head, with some guy in between <laughs> your legs, you're not reading the right smart books. I just want to know, like, the logistics of it. Like, do you have the conversation the night before and be like, oh, this is what I'm thinking about doing tomorrow. Like, how do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, because they're in a book, like, they, they exist in this, like, fantasy land. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we just are sort of given the idea that all consent is is given unless stated otherwise between the two love interests maybe i think too much into books i also think like i really like sleep so i don't know if i'd be (laughs) totally stoked about it because i would be like you know babe i've got to work tomorrow morning like let's just Mm -hmm. but if you had a rich husband where you didn't have to work and your only job was to be a fake pregnant fiance Honestly. But she was working are... for her sister. Hardly. She was working for her sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here That's we have the point. work ethics committee joining us on this podcast today. <laughs> Ola and I are here for the smart. Biddy's here for the for the lives of these people. <laughs> Look, I love smart. We're gonna unpack every single part of their life. Yeah. I love, God forbid. I love smart or I wouldn't be here. And I'm engaged in the smart scenes. But I also want to know what's happening half the time. (laughs) (laughs) I can't take you seriously. No, she's hardly working. No, 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 no. She's not good enough. No. Look, I wrote wrote a lot of notes and I wrote a lot of notes and none of them are about smart. (laughs) 
shocking. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I feel like you just you need some more like accurate world building, don't you? I just like I can't. I'm a I'm a plot and smart, unless mm. stated otherwise. Unless it, like I know going into it, it's gonna be a smart no plot. I can't do a half half plot full smart. Mm-hmm. Or like don't a, read Den of Vipers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> don't read that book because <laughs> that is like a very confusing plot that makes no sense and it is like taking over a lot of it but like so much smart it's very confusing but it's like if you're gonna have a plot have a plot like have a good one like a good thought out plot otherwise just like get mm-hmm. rid of the plot and I'll just read like an excerpt of smart mm-hmm. yeah just read that. your dad will do yeah <laughs> Which is 99% smart. Like, I don't even remember what the plot was. But also, Megan Quinn, if you are listening, what's with the unlit cigarette thing? (laughs) (laughs) You really have some beef, don't you, Betty? Like, was it intentionally put in there as, like, a little fault in our stars, like, Easter egg sort of thing for people? Like, because it really took me back to Fault in Our Stars. And I'm just wondering if, like, I don't know, like, did this woman really just like Fault in Our Stars when it first came out? I mean, it's been, like, ten years But since I it just want to know why you know? it was never addressed again. There was no other situation where he had an unlit yeah. cigarette hanging out of his mouth. It was just this, like, one-time deal, like, while he was mowing the yard. And mm-hmm. maybe it was just, like, a thing for that day. But I would, I would have liked it to just, like, when they rounded yeah. out the plot at the end, if he could... If she could have just left like a little note being like, Jeff no longer leaves unlit cigarettes in his mouth. Yeah. I feel like as well, because like the character of Jeff as like her mum's like partner, like I feel like he, he almost doesn't warrant that much characterization. <laughs> like they, they could, cause he was mowing his lawns. He was like doing his, like one of the Jeff's big, Jeff's only plot point aside from that is that he loves his yard. <laughs> he just spends, he just spends heaps of time, you know, like making sure his yard's really good, you know, planting his flowers, mowing his lawns, which is, I really just feel like you could have left it at that. We didn't need the unlit cigarette. I've got so many questions. It haunts me. It keeps me up at night. Yeah. I do want to emphasize as well, I feel like we are making fun of a lot of stuff that was in this book, but it was genuinely quite enjoyable. We all rated it It was an amazing well. book, but I'm the only person who did not give a shit about the unlit <laughs> cigarette or Jeff. <laughs> Jeff was not important to me whatsoever. I was like, oh, cool. She's got a stepdad. That's nice. Moving on. When are they going to bang? Speaking of side characters, I think we really need to talk about Angela. Oh my god, Angela. We have to talk about Angela. We have to We do have to talk, talk about, about the bitchy side friend. That kind of friend. Oh, Angela. I just it just clicked for me because she kind of just disappeared in my mind there for a bit. She but didn't I feel really like, matter to mm, me. But she was important. Everybody has been in a situation where they've had like an on and off friend. Different. I really yeah. I I did quite like like Angela as just a character because she was just so one-dimensionally like like she was just a fucking dick like just like there was you know there wasn't there wasn't much going on aside from that but I did like just how openly like catty Megan Quinn made her like I thought it was quite fun it was quite funny she I think she was written really well I think when you read a book and you can kind of um relate to a character's emotions like to the point of like hatred because I think hatred is really hard to mm-hmm. write like 
getting you to hate a character. Um, but like I hated Angela. Like she annoyed me. Whenever I had to read about her in the book, I was like annoyed. Um, and I give props to Megan Quinn for that because I think it's really hard to write characters so annoying that you just don't want to read about them. <laughs> That's so funny. I feel like, yeah, and she really captured how like frustrating and irritating it is when you have to deal with people like that and you feel like you can never, like, you know, they can never have the last word. Like, you just get so wound up by their behaviour. So I really feel like, yeah, she definitely captured that very well. So I thought it would be a fun game for us. Um, in the book, they set up a deal to get to know each other. Um, Huxley doesn't really like sharing information about himself, but Lottie really wants to know who she's pretending to be a fiancé for. So they set up a deal where she gets two questions in the day, and she gets two questions in the evening, and so does Huxley, and they have to answer them honestly. And I went through the book, and I found three like cute little questions that we could actually answer, because a lot of them were obviously pertaining to the plot, um, which we couldn't answer. So the first one is, and I think we'll go um, Ola G, and then we'll go back to me for answering the questions. But the first one is, what's your favourite board game to play? Cluedo. Love me some Cluedo. That's a classic. The, yeah, yeah. The butler in the kitchen with the knife. Hell yeah. And I always win. Like, I don't care if I'm playing against an eight-year-old. I will not let up. <laughs> if I'm not winning, things are going really wrong in my life. Because <laughs> I'm nice. real good at Cluedo. <laughs> I love that. My favorite board game is a board game called Articulate. And it's like a game where you're, you have a partner and you've got a timer and you've got cards and you've got to describe the word on your card without saying the word. And it's so good because you, if you pair up with one person and you get to know each other really well, then like when it hits your go, you can just be like the word that you didn't know what it meant three rounds ago. <laughs> like, and they'll just get it. Like, it's so good. Good one to play when drunk too, because it's very funny trying to describe a word without saying a word while you're absolutely shit faced. I really like Scrabble. But I'm not allowed to play Scrabble anymore. No, you're not. <laughs> Do we this is like some joke? actual beef. This is like a beef between me and Betty. We've played Scrabble together like once and, and it's never happening again. But my, my second choice would be Battleships. I love it. Oh, I love, love Battleships. Love that. That's a classic. It's the only board game we had growing up. So whenever there was a um, power outage, we used to like have like speed rounds of battleships with my family we would all take it that's turn. so english <laughs> <laughs> battleships is the only board game you have <laughs> well we couldn't play other board games because we'd argue <laughs> you can't argue in battleships because like there's no like strategy there's no way to it's argue, just like guessing yeah. mm. okay the next one is if you had a boat where would you go Ooh, Hundo Greece. Take me to Mykonos right now. I want to be in one of those beautiful buildings with the white and the blue. And I want to be in the ocean. And I want to eat souvlaki, you know? I want to mm. eat food. But also, nice. here's the problem. I fucking hate boats. So I wouldn't get on it in the first <laughs> place. I really fucking hate boats so much. I've had really bad experiences with boats. So I feel like if I'm like, I would get off the dock at Mykonos and just like go a few meters out into the water and just sit there for the day and then go back <laughs> but I wouldn't be going from freaking Sydney 
to Mykonos. That sounds like a nightmare to me. Nice. I think if I could get on a boat and go anybody, anywhere, I don't even know. It would have to be somewhere warm because it's like being cold while you're on the ocean just isn't fun. So I feel like I'd I'd head up like I'd want to go like Gulf of Thailand. Eh? I'd want to go somewhere like where the water was warm. There were lots of cool sea creatures. Thailand is so beautiful. Uh, yeah, Thailand's amazing. And yeah, Gulf of Thailand, you've got all those little islands. Like That would be so sick. That would be awesome. Betty? Uh, I want to say like either the Pacific Islands or like specifically like Vanuatu. Mm-hmm. That's very specific. Why Vanuatu? I don't know. Have you seen like they come up on the telly sometimes that like they love to like advertise like having your honeymoon there. Um and the water Betty's is getting married, everyone. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> the water is um a crystal clear, like the clearest water, and they have like little huts on the water with glass. Fifteen thousand dollar a night huts. Yeah, yeah. I mean I wouldn't <laughs> stay there, I'd probably stay in the boat, like looking at the huts, but Okay, final question before we end up the podcast. And this one's quite a cute one. Um and the scene in the book when she asks this to him is actually kind of sweet as well it's like their first ever like actual romantic bonding moment where they talk to each other in a romantic sense not in just like a a sexy sense and the question is what would you say is your favorite quality about yourself i know it's a hard one because you know it is you have to talk um, about yourself i know (laughs) it's really um Probably my confidence. Like I like to mix up like my confidence and my humor and all of that together. I quite like that about myself, how I can make fun of myself, but I also really like myself and I'm not trying to sound full of it or anything, but it took me a long time to get here. Like with body image, with a lot of things, it, I struggled for so long and now I'm like, okay, I'm pretty, I'm good. Like I feel good. I look good. I'm happy with myself. That's very nice. That's so good. I like that. I feel like the thing that I like the most about myself is probably like my thick skin. And I like having people around me that also have thick skin because life is just so much better and easier if people are assholes to you and you just think it's funny. Like, because it's so much more, it's, it's so ridiculous to comment on other people in such a way to like deliberately make them feel bad about themselves so I feel like what better defense than to like feel bad for those people and then laugh 100%. at them yeah girl you got that thick skin yeah yeah <laughs> that's so beautiful Jay I love that <laughs> what about you bats um I don't I would say like my ability to communicate um nice I like I think I'm I'm a very not confrontational. I don't know if confrontational Direct is the word that we would use for you, Betty. Direct. <laughs> but it, <laughs> Which is a good thing. It's it's more like, um, I love a good debate. Like I like mm-hmm. riling up a topic and having a debate and through throughout the years of my need to debate, I've gotten to a point in my life where I can communicate in a non aggressive way and it ends up with these conversations being quite like lovely and like intelligent rather than just like a screaming match. 
Um, so I think, yeah, my ability to communicate would be my f- my best feature. Well, as they say, communication is key. Yeah. What is it a key to? Actually, no, let's not get into that. We'll be here for 10 years. <laughs> Biddy will explain it to us. <laughs> In her direct, very well communicative way. So we made it to the end of our very first book podcast episode. Yay. How, how do we feel? Do we Ooh. feel good? Pretty good. We dissected that book. We did. We did. We, we cut it open. We really spread it wide. Loved it, though. Such a good book. <laughs> <laughs> really, we really spread that book over. This has been a lot of time oh, talking did. about really irrelevant points, but I feel better yeah. for Thank it. Thank you, Betty. <laughs> <laughs> and now everyone's going to go home and wonder why he had that unlit cigarette in his mouth. Not that anyone cares. Look, if you read the book and you want to talk about it further, please get in contact with me. I have I'm not done talking about this. It's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. You have you've planted a thorn in so many people's sides now. Exactly. You know, except for mine because I still don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I really do not get it. I must be like the only person who is just like, and it was just an unlit cigarette. So make sure you tune in next week, um, even if you hated us, because the more we do this, the better we'll get. Because <laughs> next week's episode is Worth It by C.M. Owens and S.M. Shade, and it is the first book in the Yama Yama series. So, so excited. Get excited. I can't not laugh whenever I hear Yama Yama. If you've read the book, you know why. <laughs> read the book before the episode so we don't ruin anything for you. Um, and then also move on to the next book because the following episode will be the second book in the series so you can get your homework done early. Fuck it. It's called by yep. C.M. Owens and S.M. Shade. So worth it. Fuck it. The Yemi Yemi series. And get they're reading. so good. And just to mention, unfortunately, C.M. Owens passed away last year. So we will be dedicating those episodes to her. And she's just so amazing at what she does. So we hope that you enjoy the books. Awesome. It was lovely to speak with you ladies. Uh, Yes, it was so good to speak to you guys as well. Just want to remind everybody too that you can follow us on Girls Who Read Pod at Instagram and Twitter. Yes. And I think Facebook as well. And Facebook. Oh, and Facebook. I'm not in charge of socials. No, that's me, but I forgot we (laughs) had a Facebook page. (laughs) It shows you how good I am at it. Well, we'll see everybody next week. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Girls Who Read Porn. Follow us at Girls Who Read Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And for all business inquiries, please send us an email on girlswhoreadporn at gmail.com. Art created by Jessica Wanny and music made by Dane Forgy Stevens. See you next week and stay smutty, team.